Dreamsofamedia.com presents... When will I learn? The answer to life's problems aren't at the bottom of a bottle. <laughs> They're on Noiseland Arcade. With Craig WK. He's just a little shy because I've tried to kill him so many times. And Sean, the arcade phantom. An underachiever. And yet he seems to be... How should I put this? Proud of it? They're violent and they distract you from your schoolwork. Well, time to hit the books. Welcome to Noiseland Arcade. I am Craig WK, and with me is my buddy, Sean the Arcade Phantom. How's it going? Doing great, Sean. Excited to be talking about Flaming Moe's. Yeah, I was excited before I rewatched this episode. I mean, it's... It's, it's uh, just all right. It's an all right episode. It's okay. There's some... some... We'll right, it's kind of weird. We'll yeah. get into it. It's kind of weird. So when did this episode first air, Sean? Uh, November 21st, 1991. Yeah, so in this episode, Homer tells his friend Mo about a drink he created only to have the bartender steal the idea from him and become amazingly successful. It's, uh, well, well what was going on with the world when this episode yeah, came out, let's, Craig? Let's, before we start critiquing the episode, yeah, let's go ahead and, and talk about the news. So, a uh, bit of bad news, as I generally do. 121 died in massacres in Croatia as civil wars in Yugoslavia are raging on at this time. 80 Croatian National Guardsmen were shot. And here's the part that's just really fucked up. 41 Serbian children had been found with their throats cut in the Vukovar region. Like, I don't understand. When like when you're in a civil war and you're fighting soldiers, okay, yeah, you know, you're you're gonna fight other people that are trying to stop you. What threat do the children pose? They were like kindergarten aged kids. Do you do you, do you wanna know the answer to that? Genocide? Yeah, when you're when you're killing people you don't really care. And the fact that they're children, they're just easier to kill. It's it's fucked up. It's yeah, real fucked up, but but that's why, because they just wanted to kill them all. And yeah, and the kids so, were easy targets to kill. So, you know, I, I we we've mentioned before that that you know we have so much nostalgia for the '90s and stuff, and you know, and you know the the general thought in your head is that you know like oh wow you know '90s were were a pretty cool safe and you know cool and safe time you have like you know desert storm is the war that happened but you know it was resolved pretty quickly you know and without a lot of loss of life you know for america but like terrible things are happening in the world the civil war in yugoslavia is killing so many people and it's just gonna keep going for a while now yeah apartheid's still gonna be going too yeah like the world kind of sucks always it, it generally always sucks so sean i tell you what do you have anything to make me feel a little better i don't know if i'm gonna make you feel better this time i really don't uh, because yeah I, I i like it we, we, we can talk about its flaws and merits at full length mm -hmm. but on november 23rd 1991 final fantasy 2 aka final fantasy 4 was released in the u.s i have many mixed emotions on this game i love final fantasy 2 and, and okay here's the thing i'm gonna admit something uh-huh I'm going to admit something on the air to all of our listeners and all of our video game fans. Uh -huh. 
So I played the first Final Fantasy in 1990. Yeah. Right when it came out. Sure. Two I didn't get to for a while. Mm-hmm. It was actually the second game I played on the Super Nintendo after Final Fantasy Mystic Quest. And I was bummed the hell out that this was not the continuing adventures of Benjamin. I started this game and I was upset. I was like, why? Benjamin went off on a ship. He went off on his own adventure. This should be his sequel. Sean, you sweet summer child. You poor naive ingrate. (laughs) You really, you thought that it was the sequel to Mystic Quest? I wanted it to be a sequel to Mystic Quest. And instead, I got a story about two guys who go to a village and they're like, hey, we're going to deliver this package because our boss told us to give it to you. And then it's a mom. And then the one guy's like, we need to finish the job. And the other's like, I don't know about this, man. And then basically it turns into like Davy and Goliath. He's like, I don't know, Davy. <laughs> Maybe blowing up villages isn't a good idea. Yeah, I, I, I have a lot of uh, uh, mixed feelings. But on- Kane wanted to slit the throat of the little girl because it was easy, Craig. It all ties together. Full circle. So let's get into the episode before I just start rambling about Final Fantasy 2 and Kane, Mystic Quest. Kane's fucking dope. I just want to throw that out there. Uh, if you love douchebags who want to steal your girl. I do, because <laughs> he's got sweet armor and sweet attacks. He jumps on things. It, it, sweet attacks is maybe stretching it a bit. But if you want some Final Fantasy Mystic Quest information, jump on The Legend of Retro, uh, which is a retro gaming podcast that I'm also on. And uh, we haven't done Final Fantasy 4 or Final Fantasy 2 as it was known when it was first released. Uh, so that's something to look forward to in the future, I'm sure. I'm just saying, Mystic Quest was really dope, and it deserves a sequel. Do you remember when it was rumored they were making a remake of it? Oh, yeah, I remember that. And it was actually. some guy just trying to scam people. That sounds about right. But man, Mystic Quest would be <laughs> dope remade. Oh, I love that game. In fact, if I love you listeners, I'll give you a copy of Mystic Quest because that's what I do to my friends. That's what I did to Craig. Sean gave me a copy of Mystic Quest when we were kids. It's true. He showed up at my door one day and was like, I have something for you. And I was like, oh, yeah? And he was like, here's an RPG. And at the time, we just started getting into RPGs really big. And it was like, this is the greatest thing ever. And then I played it and I was like, this music's fucking awesome, Sean. <laughs> this, yeah. yeah, the music's great. The music's great. Anyway, so the episode begins, and uh, Homer's watching Ion Springfield, uh, which is a uh, news report from Kent Brockman, or a new show from Kent Brockman, where basically like every chance he gets, he puts women in bikinis. Yeah, there's there's a lot of women in bikinis. Yeah, kind of weird, and. Uh, uh, Homer says, wow, infotainment. And uh, I love that they reference the tire fire yard. You know, the yeah, yard with all the, the tire. tire fire. Yeah. And uh, apparently it started in 1966. And I love the old footage of him from like when it first happened. And like today, it's like the uh, the anniversary of it, you know. And I... Uh, and then he's like, but before that, opposites attract. It's like the, the Springfield's oldest man meets Springfield's fattest man. And Homer's like, he's not, he's not so, so fat. <laughs> and then he also uh, is going to have an interview with Frederick Tatum, who we saw <laughs> previously in the episode. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Homer versus Lisa in the Eighth Commandment? Yes. 
Yes, and uh, it's Dredrick Tatum, the 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 ch- uh, current champion. Uh, heavyweight champion and he's from Springfield and uh, in the interview he's like he's like uh, he's like if I'm ever in Springfield again you'll know I fucked up bad <laughs> yeah you'll know I've hit rock bottom that place is a dump <laughs> So Bart comes into the room and he's like wow TNA and it's the first time I ever heard the expression TNA I don't even know if I realized what that meant at the time I don't think I had any clue when I was a kid. I think I had to ask what it meant. And I was told, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> that sounds about right. And so uh, when Homer's like, you know, Bart, why aren't you asleep? He's like, who could sleep with those five evil hens cackling and plotting against me? And Homer's like, boy, they have better things to do to talk about you. It's like, sheesh, what an ego. And so Lisa's having a slumber party and the screen pans up. We see in the floorboards, we see lead, asbestos, a dead rat. And then it immediately cuts to Lisa's friends who are like, Lisa, your brother is so gross. And Lisa's having Janie, a girl named Wanda, and a few other girls over. Okay, so Lisa's often depicted as not having friends, but she always has friends. She, I, I feel like Lisa is the type who who's maybe just more introverted and doesn't want to have a lot of people around her all the time because yeah she has friends clearly she's having a slumber party she she you know seen talking with other girls at school and so even if like Janie thinks she's a bit of a nerd or whatever and they tease Lisa I mean Lisa might be the odd man out in their friendship where she's sort of the one that's kind of picked on a bit but she does have friends also what's up with the girl with silver hair oh yeah yeah, she's got silver hair. And I, I mean, I know that's a thing. That's like popular now because girls will dye their hair silver. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a popular it, thing now. It, it's got that hot Sephiroth kind of look to it. I get it. Or you can just be me and the, the natural graying <laughs> of your hair is basically turning it silver. <laughs> Sean, putting my hand through my hair is like running it through starlight. Or a Brillo <laughs> pad. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and so... Uh, but, but yeah, like, that girl's got silver hair. That's always stuck out to me. That's weird. Yeah, a little weird. And so the the girls start playing this game where they drop wax into this, like, like uh, cup of water. And whatever shape it takes is going to be, like, what their future husbands do. And uh, the first one turns into a mop. And the girl's like, it's a mop. He's going to be a janitor. And Lisa's like, maybe it's an Olympic torch. And then she tries it again. And she's like, it's a dustpan. Olympic torch, it looks like a paintbrush. Yeah, I, I can see paintbrush. It's open to interpretation. It's a piece yeah. of wax. However, when the dustpan appears, the wax does not lie, and this poor girl is going to have a husband who has benefits and decent pay? That's not so bad. Oh, the horrors of a janitor. <laughs> <laughs> well, to a little girl, it's probably a little bit more traumatic, I suppose. So Homer's watching more of, you know, uh, uh, Ion Springfield. And, you know, it's like an elephant that never forgets to brush. And, oh, uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, before that, uh, the girls come down and because they've dared Bart, they're going to, uh, uh, they dare, I think it's uh, Wanda. I think it's the girl Wanda to kiss kiss Bart. Bart. No, Wanda, I think is the one with the wax. I think this is the the uh, the blonde girl with the uh, the, the braces. braces. It's not the silver haired girl. Yeah. So this is the girl with braces, and so this is an unnamed girl, and uh, she dives across the room as Bart's like getting a jolt cola or whatever, and kisses Bart, which is Bart's second kiss. Number one being the trophy girl from the when he won that race. 
Because so far, both of the kisses Bart have, has had have been forced upon him. Yeah. He's not wanted either, which is kind of uncomfortable to think about. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so, uh, and so, uh, I, you know, when Bart's like, I'm telling mom, all the girls like yell it out in, in unison and then jinx him. Now, for those who don't know, if you say something in unison and then you follow it up with the word jinx, that person isn't allowed to talk. Now, the rules I always played by was that you had to say you had to hear your name three times spoken aloud and then you would be free to talk. If you talk before then, you're allowed to get punched. Is that pretty much the rules you you went by? I never went by jinx rules because I'm not commanded by the words. You will listen to the commands of these words, Sean. Do I make myself clear? If I jinx you, I fully expect you not to talk the rest of the episode. I hope that doesn't happen. I was going to try to figure out how I could <laughs> jinx you, but I thought, no, this is going to turn into like five minutes of us like battling back and forth trying to convince the other to say what we want him to say to jinx them. So we will do without that. God, I hope I don't get jinxed. Anyway, so uh, I love that uh, uh, Bart goes into the room. <laughs> this is one of my favorite <laughs> scenes in the episode. It's so good. I feel like the, the general plot of this episode is a little weaker, but all the scenes are great. Yes. This scene, though, in particular, is just so well written. <laughs> so he's like, Homer looks at Bart because he like comes up to him and he starts like pointing at himself. And he's like, what is it, boy? Is anything the matter, my son? Talk to me, young man. And Bart writes down on a piece of paper, say your uh, say my name. And he's like, say your name? Why should you do that, my lad? And <laughs> so Bart throws down the paper. He's like, because I'm a jinx, damn it. And Homer slugs him in the shoulder. And he's like, what's that for? And he's like, you talked. So I get to hit you. And then the girls decide that they're going to give Bart a makeover. And so Homer yells. He's like, run for it, boy. And Bart darts off down the house as the girls chase him. And he like, you know. Just to really make an effort. This is really intense. Like the girls, Bart locks himself in his room and they start taking the hinges off the fucking door. <laughs> the drill. Yeah, it's super messed up. Like my, my note is just literally, holy fuck, these girls are intense. They took the hinges <laughs> off the door. <laughs> so Bart gets to his window and just jumps. Yeah, he just free falls out of it. Just jumps for it. I, I feel like he should have gone for the treehouse. You know, but what are you going to do? But we wouldn't get all those sweet Dark Simpsons moments where Bart's jumping to his death if we didn't get this animation. Yes, heaven forbid. The girls find Maggie, though, and uh, Homer puts down, like, his paper he's reading, looks up and sees Maggie with, like, high heels. Uh, now, mind you, they're way oversized, of course. But like high heels and lipstick and like her hair done up in this weird outfit. And Homer's like, that's it. I'm out of here. Is March home? I don't know if March is home. I think Homer just left all these little girls in his house. That's not good. And also Bart might be dying outside. Because if March was home, she would have not allowed them to take the hinges off the damn door. Yeah, probably. I, I think you're right. I think uh, Homer just bolted. But state law uh, demands that they have a babysitter. I wonder if Lionel Hutz was outside. Lionel Hutz was in this episode. He is. Maybe he was the babysitter. Maybe. It's that new babysitter that's in town, Miguel Sanchez. 
I, but I. So Dr. Nugent von Falk. Dr. Nugent von Falk. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so I. Uh, so Homer uh, gets to Moe's Tavern, and it's so slow. He's playing solitaire, just bored. And so you know, apparently b- uh, beer got turned off because he didn't pay his bill, and I. Uh, because he spent his last 10000 on the love tester. Yeah, so I started going on eBay and looking up old-timey love testers uh-huh. like that. Yeah. You know what a love tester goes for on eBay nowadays? Uh, what's that? About 1500 to 5000 He got ripped off. Well, maybe when it's new, it's more expensive. They were more of a 30s thing. Oh, so, so this would have been an old... Okay. Yeah, these were like an old, like, Prohibition-era bar kind of game. Interesting. Huh. Weird. I have never seen a love tester in person. Never. Me neither. Yeah. I wish I could. Because I would steal it. Put it with all my video games. <laughs> keep trying and keep getting dead fish. Is that what I... I... That's what Hugh Hefner gets. <laughs> Hugh yeah. Hefner gets dead fish. <laughs> Starts kicking in the machine. I... Also, it kind of grosses me out in the scene. So Homer starts trying to suck the beer out of the what's left of the, the tap and uh, and uh, Moe's like, uh, he's like, Barney cut his gums up pretty bad, you know, doing that earlier. It's like, oh, that's just gross. Yeah, but wouldn't you need beer? You need beer. No, I mean, I don't mean that. I mean the fact that it's like the, the fact that it, gums. Yeah, yeah, blood, bl- oh, bleeding gums, huh? <laughs> Full circle. Uh, and, uh, and so Moe's like, you know, he's like, Homer, don't worry about it. He's like, I know how to mix drinks, you know. And he pulls out this sheet and he's like, Janin. Tonic? Do they mix? <laughs> well, he didn't go to a fancy, you know, bartending school. <laughs> yeah, like uh, Flanders did. College boy. <laughs> College boy over here. Uh, so, Patty and Selma, uh, oh, I'm sorry, let me step back a bit. So, Homer says that he knows a, a good mixed drink, right? And yeah. so, yeah, he's so he's going to uh, uh, teach it to Mo. And he tells the story of how he first uh, came up with the idea. Apparently, uh, Patty and Selma were uh, at their place showing slides of Europe, and uh, what is with them in slides? Like, I mean, that was kind of like I, I feel like that was more of like a '50s '60s thing. Yeah, right. But I I can only presume that the writers just knew that slides were uh, a gag for being like this boring event that people did, like showing slides instead of just hey here's some pictures. I can only presume it's just like a carryover of the writers' childhoods. That's just weird to me. A little weird. Uh, but they were uh, Patty and Selma were in Czechoslovakia because uh, they complain about the the power you know plugs there. Yeah. And uh, for the record, Czechoslovakia, uh, Czechoslovakia is no longer a country. It peacefully dissolved into the Czech Republic and Slovakia in January of 1993. So, Homer... Have you ever traveled abroad and used a different power outlet? Uh, never, no, no. So, we went to Europe a couple years ago, <coughs> and uh-huh. we had a power strip, so we could charge multiple things, and we had a power adapter. Sure. Apparently, that pulled too much power, and we blew the power in the hotel. Wow. Yeah, so we blew the power in the hotel in England, and it was a good time. <laughs> oh man, had to call and be like, "Yeah, there's no power in our place. It's weird. Well, we don't this know whole what floor happened. doesn't have power. Well, like, what's going on? How could that happen? Putting the the power strip in your luggage and zipping it up. <laughs> how could that ever happen? Oh yeah, that thing was fucking fried. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. 
Why would they make that if it couldn't? Nah, whatever. Uh, because it could handle the power of one or two things, but a power strip, it couldn't handle all those things. Oh. How many things did you plug? Never mind. A lot. There's three people <laughs> in a hotel room, and you've all got phones. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So uh, Homer goes to get a beer, and one of his sister-in-laws, I don't remember which, taunts him that she has the last beer. I think Selma. And so uh, Homer just tries to get whatever he can together to make it through this horribly boring event. And so he grabs little bits of everything, and in his haste, he accidentally puts in some cough syrup. Okay. Homer says a joke that I hate in this part. Yeah. So Homer makes the drink, uh-huh. and he says, it passed the first test. I didn't go blind. Why would he go blind? Exactly. Why would he go blind? It's not like he's making moonshine. He's using all store brand alcohols, including the cough syrup. Homer is a dummy, and so maybe he just assumes anytime you're making your own concoctions, there's a chance you'd go blind? Yeah, this isn't distilling moonshine, Homer. Well, no, hold on. Here's something that I want to contend with that. Homer said he grabbed whatever alcohol was in the house and just slapped it together. Maybe he threw in, like, rubbing alcohol and thought he might really go blind? I've drank rubbing alcohol and you don't go blind. You do have a problem. No offense. That, that, that's a story for another day. <laughs> it might have been a mistake. I sure hope so. Uh, now, can we both agree at least that the cough syrup is obviously a reference to Dimatap? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Purple. Gotta be Dimatap. It's gotta be Dimatap. So, for those who don't know, Dimatap is a cough syrup that tastes like grape. Tastes pretty good. In fact, there's a grape soda out there. I think it's Welch's grape soda. Tastes like Dimatap, and it's freaking delicious. Ooh. Man. Welch's does a grape soda. Oh, that's right. I think you told me that before. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever actually had it. I don't know if I see it in stores. We need Dimatap soda. Yeah, I would drink it. But I'm a gross, gross person, I suppose. Anyway, so Homer tries it, and, you know, it's okay. And then when he comes back into the living room, the ashes from, I believe, Selma's cigarette land in his drink, catches on fire. Nobody in the room freaks out like they should. He (laughs) blows it out and takes a sip, and it is way better. So do you want to explain the mixology of why that is, or should I? All you, buddy. I, I left any alcohol stuff to you. I figured you would because I have a problem, and I really don't have that big of a problem, but... I don't worry, everybody. I'll, I'll admit it's a problem when I want. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll be uh, checking him into AA soon enough. But when you light a drink on fire, the reason why is because it obviously has a higher proof in alcohol, usually above like 80. Mm-hmm. But with a flaming drink, it condenses the liquid itself. It doesn't burn off the alcohol like people are thinking it would yeah. do. It condenses it and gives it kind of a toasted flavor. Okay. I was going to say, because uh, cooking alcohol actually takes a while to cook the alcohol out of something. And it yes. never fully is cooked out. Correct. You know, it's always going to be a little bit left, even if a lot of it is cooked out. So so that's interesting. Alcohol also boils at a lower temperature than water, I believe. Oh, okay. Th- now that I don't know enough about, I'm afraid. But, uh, yeah, but yeah, that's the reason why fire makes something taste better is because it condenses the drink and gives it more of a rich flavor. That is definitely interesting. I uh, so Mo decides that you know they're gonna you know put these together. So he gets Homer a bunch of bottles of you know uh, uh, alcohol, and Homer asks if he has any cough syrup. And so I uh, Homer 
you know, uh, orders it. So Mo goes through the the lost and found, and he finds a, bo- a Bowie knife, a troll doll, and a glass eye, as well as cough syrup. Now, for those who don't know, the troll dolls were a 90s fad, right? Yeah, they were. And they were basically these little, like, naked people that typically had, like, gems in their bellies with long hair. But they're not just a 90s fad, because the trolls had a CGI movie that came out in 2015, 2016. Really? Yeah, it's really popular. It had a Justin Timberlake in it. Um, he did the soundtrack for it. Really? Yeah, it got nominated for Best Song. There's actually a sequel <laughs> really? coming out. Yeah, the, it, trolls are like a, still a thing, Craig. I thought that was a 90s thing. No, like there's a new Trolls movie coming out this year where like the trolls have to go <sighs> to the other kingdoms of trolls and they're all different brands of music. For some reason, rock and metal are combined into one, which bugs me. But, um,. Yeah. There's like uh, the hip hop trolls. There's like the rock metal trolls. There's the country trolls. And they all are fighting for the kingdom of music or something stupid. That does sound stupid. Yeah. But Justin Timberlake does the music? Yeah, Justin Timberlake did the music in the first one. And he was like the main character. It was him and Anna Kendrick, I believe. I mean, I do like Justin Timberlake, but trolls are kind of stupid. Unless they're D&D trolls. That's quite a bit different. Well, yeah, or... You know, Danny DeVito is a troll, and it's always sunny. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, you know, Homer and, and you know, Mo make, mix up these drinks, and, you know, Homer's like, how is it? And Mo's like, eh, it's not without its charm. And Homer's like, we'll try lighting on fire. So he does, and... And you do not light a drink on fire with a standard Bic lighter like Mo no, you'll burn yourself. Yeah, you, you use a grill lighter. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You need some distance. And so... He tries it again, though, and he says that it's like there's a party in my mouth and everyone's invited. And so Homer's like, yeah, this is the Flaming Homer. This is what I call it. And so this guy comes up who's been fighting with the love testing machine. And uh, he's like, hey, buddy, your love tester uh, just ate my nickel. And so Mo gives him a drink on the house. And so the guy who's been, like, sniffling before this takes the drink, and he's like, wow, this is good. Uh, he's like, this drink is delicious, and my phlegm feels looser. He's like, what do you call it? And when Homer goes to answer, Mo cuts him off and says, Flaming Homer, or Flaming Mo, Flaming Mo, it's a Flaming Mo. I'm Mo, so it's a Flaming Mo. And Homer gives him a weird look, but he's like, no, why, why are you looking at me that way? It's a Flaming Mo. Which isn't a good sign. No. So... It seems like Moe's business is starting to boom. Some time passes. We don't know exactly how long. I don't think they mention. And Homer is like, you know, seeing all this like stuff going on. Like Moe's got like a sneeze guard over like a salad bar. Which really works. Barney tested out. <laughs> wow. It really works. Uh, and uh, uh, Homer says something around the lines of uh, uh, how it hasn't been this busy since uh, uh, basically Moe allowed people to use food stamps. Yeah. Which is... Kind of shady, right? Oh, it's super shady. <laughs> it's also super illegal. Um, working in a grocery store. Oh yeah, yeah. You actually get to read like those fines when you work in like the main front office, and they have like all those papers, and you get bored and you read them because sure, it's like yeah, all yeah. those like warning signs, like they have like the OSHA stuff. And oh yeah, yeah. So you read the things about food stamps, and it's like a hundred and fifty thousand dollar fine oh, oh, oh. if somebody's buying something that's not supposed to be bought with food stamps. Yikes. Is that the kind of thing that gets caught frequently if it is, like, if there is a mistake made? I'm sure it would. Oh, man. I'm and k yikes. People would always argue things and... Oh, I do remember that, yeah. Because, like, um, things like insure 
and like things that are considered a medical supplement aren't considered food stampable, oh, even though they're right. edible. So a lot of people would argue that. That's right. I because Sean and I, uh, for those who don't know, uh, worked <laughs> together in a grocery store for a while, and he worked more on the front end uh, than I did. And yeah, I remember even I even remember stuff like that. Oh, yeah, it was a living hell. It was a living hell <laughs> dealing with like, why isn't this? Well, because it's technically considered a medical supplement, but I eat it, so it shouldn't. Well, unfortunately, that's what the government classifies it as. Well, it shouldn't be taxable. Well, yes, it is because our government classifies it as such. <sighs> I remember all that nonsense. Pushed a lot of that out of my memory. I can tell you that right now. Uh, so. You know, uh, I, I feel like there's a scene coming up here, Sean, that gets real sitcom-y. And I know it's because it's in reference to the uh, the show Cheers. Uh, but uh, Moe's conversation with the waitress, or the woman who will be a waitress. It's super sitcom-y. And it's like, you know, like, you know, I need to know your sizes. And she's like, why would I tell you my sizes? He's like, well, I find that we could do it the, the, the hard way. And he like pulls out a tape measure. And like, it's just super sitcom-y and weird. And so for those who don't know, this whole episode is filled with references to the show Cheers, which was uh, in the 1980s, right? Correct. Yeah, 1980s uh, sitcom that, you know, showed the kind of the, the life and times of all the people and patrons of Cheers, this restaurant in Boston. Uh, in fact, uh, the show Frasier is a spinoff of Cheers, for those who don't know. Uh, but I, so Mo hires this waitress and. Because he likes her moxie. Uh, yeah, kind of weird. And, you know, sexist as well, but, you know, that's who's counting. And uh, this guy from Tipsy McStagger's Good Time Drinking and Eating Emporium comes in. Harv Bannister, the vice president. I love that when he comes in and says that, Mo like adjusts his little tie and he's like, oh, Tipsy McStagger's here? And he's like, no, he's just a composite of multiple successful like uh, uh, mascots. And he's like, well, you tell uh, uh, McStagger's that he makes up one fine mozzarella stick. And he's like, yes, I'll tell him. And so, you know, the guy wants to buy the recipe. And Mo says, no, I, my blood, blood and sweat are, are in these drinks. And everyone <laughs> spit takes. He goes, ah, sorry, uh, figure of speech. Which is kind of funny. Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's kind of sitcom-y. A little sitcom-y. I'll, I'll give you that. And so, you know, Barney's like, good for you, Mo. He's like, you know, you have a million-dollar idea. And Homer's like, oh. You'd have to be an idiot to give away an idea <laughs> like this. Yeah. And so in class, uh, Bart's class, uh, they're doing presentations on inventors we admire. Martin has just finished up with Archer, uh, excuse me, Archer John Porter Martin, uh, A.J.P. Martin, uh, who's a British chemist who shared the 1952 Nobel Prize in chemistry for the invention of the partition chromatic, uh, chromatograph uh, with Richard Singe. Now... Uh, Sean, did you do a bunch of research on the chromatograph? The it's all partition? you. Uh, no, it's not. I refuse. I, <laughs> I opened up the article and it was like, and I was like, I don't care about chemistry. If you guys <laughs> care about chemistry, go ahead and look up this guy. It sounds interesting. If you're a nerd. Don't beat me up. Too late. I'll see you after the show outside the studio. <laughs> so... Bart comes up and he's going to do his presentation on the creator of the Flaming Homer because 
Homer must have been complaining at home a whole hell of a lot for Bart to have learned the recipe. And so Bart pulls out bottles and Krapopoulos is like, is that alcohol? And he's like, I brought enough for everybody. And she tells him that he can drop that off at the teacher's lounge and he can pick up what's left of it at the end of the day. That's a shitty move. Also, yeah, but also that could get him expelled and suspended. So, you know, I mean, that's a fair fair price, I think. Also, all the kids know what a flaming mo is. Yeah, Nelson like lectures him. He's like, "It's flaming mo, you idiot." Created by Mo the bartender. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, that is weird. I mean, I guess it's getting popular and it's a giant like nightclub spot in town, but why would children really know about that? That's weird. So, Homer is you know, going to Mo's uh Mo's tavern and there's like a line, there's a bouncer. His name is Bernard. And uh, he's happy to let Krusty in, even though Krusty punches out a photographer. Is that a Frank Sinatra reference? I believe so. Is that what Sinatra did? Punched out a reporter or something? Uh, Russell Crowe's been doing it, too. <laughs> Maybe it's a Russell Crowe reference? Uh, and he wouldn't have been a Russell Crowe, but mm. he was making movies, making songs, and fighting around the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, I... Uh, uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, Homer's not going uh, there just yet. It uh, just shows a scene of the bar because then we see the newspapers uh, and it refers to Mo as the Wizard of Walnut Street, which we now know that the Mo's Tavern and uh, uh, King Toots, King Toots, yeah, is uh, uh, on uh, Walnut Street. Interesting to keep in mind. And so back at home, Lisa at dinner is asking for a virgin Mo. Which just sounds weird, right? Not only does it sound weird, but the only ingredients in the drink are alcohol. They didn't put any mixers in there. And cough syrup. She could have a nice, a nice, nice hearty glass, glass of, of cough, cough syrup. syrup. Again, would have alcohol in it. All right, that's fair. So to make it a virgin moat would be an empty glass. Or Welch's grape soda. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's weird. I thought that was a very weird line. Yeah, that's very weird. Just to piss Homer off. Uh-huh. Yeah, Homer's not thrilled. In fact, Bart comes in with a shirt that says Flaming Moe's, and Homer's like, take that off. And I love that Bart's just like, okay. And he takes the shirt off and just jumps into the chair to eat, and it's just like him shirtless at the dinner table. Yeah, that's kind of weird. <laughs> but you know what? Hey, Sean, this ain't the Ritz. And I, uh, you know... Homer's like, I'm going to go. I'm depressed. He's like, I'm going to go to Moe's. And so Homer that now is heading to Moe's. Uh, so Homer's not on the list. Bernard, he's, he's like, how do you know I haven't told you my name? And he's like, all right, what's your name? And he's like, Homer Simpson. And he's like, not on the list. And it's funny because you have Moe inside. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Moe has let Barney inside. Lenny and Carl inside. But not Homer. It's because he does not want to deal with the fact that he stole the recipe from Homer. Which is kind of interesting to think about, right? Yeah, it's super weird. And so Aerosmith is at Flaming Moe's. And he's like, come on. He's like, get on stage. And and Aerosmith is like, nah, 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 we're not feeling it. And he's like, how about free pickled eggs? And they're like, yeah, all right. Do you like pickled eggs? I have never had a pickled egg. Really? I have never had a pickled egg in my life, and I've always wanted to. I have had them. I've had uh, one or two. They're not as, like, because I love pickled stuff, yeah. and I love eggs. They're not quite as good as you'd want them to be. I've but had it's, a scotch egg before, and I love that. 
Scotch egg is way better yeah. than a pickled egg. Pickled egg is not bad, though. I, I wouldn't say that pickled eggs are bad. I would just say that they're not as good as I ever wanted to be when I have them. They're okay. Uh, but uh, for those who don't know, Aerosmith is an American rock band formed in Boston, Massachusetts, uh, 1970. The group consists of Steven Tyler, Joe Perry, Tom Hamilton, Joey Kramer, and Brad Whitford. Uh, also, Ned and Maud are are at the this uh, show. Yeah, Otto and some woman are dancing on their table. Are Ned and Maud like partying it up? Well, Ned has a bar in his basement. Ned knows how to mix a drink, but he's uh-huh. often depicted as someone who doesn't drink. So it's very weird the way they jump back and forth on Ned. They do because he's mentioned. He'll mention uh, later in the series that he uh, uh, he one time had a blackberry schnapps, and it was like the first and last drink he ever had. But we saw him at Homer's party in War of the Simpsons, and clearly he had at least a drink. Wait, wait which episode? War of the Simpsons. You know, the one where it's uh, uh, not those peanuts, the one that's on the bottom. The one's on the bottom. I just wanted to get that reference. <laughs> oh, so gross. <laughs> so uh, Lenny is lighting himself on fire. Jasper catches the bandana that Aerosmith throws out there. I think it's Steve, Steven Tyler throws it. And uh, when Homer breaks in through the bathroom window, uh, he finds Barney, who's become friends with Armando and Rafi. Is that a reference to something? I don't know. I have no clue. Yeah. Here's my question. Where the hell did Aerosmith get those instruments? They were already on stage. Why? Because Mo somehow knew they were coming. I have no idea. Yeah, it makes no sense that they had instruments on stage and Aerosmith just grabbed and was like, let's tuned, play. Tuned and ready to go. Yeah. Hmm. I didn't even think of that. Uh, we also have a slightly awkward moment where Krabappel comes on to Homer. Man, she is thirsty. <laughs> she is so thirsty. Oh, my Lord. Uh, I love this scene, by the way. I love Kerbopple as a character. And she's like, oh, single father. And Homer's like, no, I'm married. And she's like, well, let's pretend that we're not. And it's like, whoa, damn, Kerbopple. Edna, you need to to simmer down. Also, my notes autocorrected to man. I I ran (laughs) Apple as thirsty. (laughs) (laughs) Now that I ran Apple. Oh, that's great. So I, I... you know, Homer pushes past her and he talks to Mo. And he says that if there's any if there was any justice, his face would be on a bunch of crappy merchandise, as you see this display case with like Mo's face on everything. So we learn how much the flaming Mo cost. Six ninety five, right? Six ninety five. There's a lot of alcohol in that drink. That is a good deal. Yeah, I mean even like even today, six ninety five would be a fairly low price for a drink in a bar. Like that has a lot of like alcohol in it, yeah. like that. Like a, I would say the comparable would be what, like a, uh, like a Long Island iced tea. Yeah, has a that, lot of alcohol. Uh huh. That has a ton of alcohol in it, and those are usually like eight nine bucks, maybe even a little more, depending yeah. on where you're at. I, I've seen them at some places where they're as much as like eleven twelve bucks. You know, they they can be pretty pricey for sure. It's a good deal to get a flaming mo. I'd get drunk at Mo's if I could get in. <laughs> yeah, if you if you were on the list, so. I. Uh, we also find that Mo's real first name might be Morris. Yeah, it's weird that she keeps calling him Morris. In this yeah, the waitress calls him Morris, but I don't think there's ever another time where he's referenced as Morris. So maybe it's a cute pet name. Could be. It's a weird pet name, but all right. 
And uh, maybe he lied to her and was like, "Yeah, that's my twin brother, Mo. I'm Morris. What up?" <laughs> maybe shoot. He, I mean, let's face it. Mo's lying through a lot of this episode. He's being a pretty bad friend. Also, uh, he gets a phone call and yes, my favorite crank call. Best crank call of the series. Bart asks for a Hugh Jazz. Hugh Jazz. <laughs> Hugh Jazz. <laughs> and he yells out for him. And a moment later, this guy in a suit comes up. He's like, I'm Hugh Jazz. And he's like, I had a telephone call. And he's like, hello, Hugh Jazz speaking. And Bart's like, ah. Oh. And he's like, who is this? And he's like, well, he's like, sir, this is, uh, I'm going to level with you. This is a crank call like gone awry. And I'd like to back out of it now. And he's like, well, better luck next time. Hangs up the phone. He's like, what a nice young man. Hugh Jazz is awesome. <laughs> I wish Hugh Jazz could hang out with Carl from Simpson and Delilah because they are two wonderful creatures from Springfield. Love them. And so Homer is arguing with Mo and basically telling him, like, hey, listen, like you like we're not, you know, we're not cool. You lost yourself a customer. But Mo is raking in so much money that he can't hear a damn thing. And so as they're going back and forth, and Homer's like, you just lost yourself a customer. He's like, what? You just lost yourself a customer. He's like, yeah, you can use it. And Homer walks out. Or Homer. Yeah. This is, this is a bit rough. So I, at this point, there's a song that plays now. I, I, it's in reference to the the uh, the show Cheers, but I do want to go ahead and play this for everybody because uh, it's another really good song. And yeah, let's do it. Ready? Yep. Shoot for it. When the weight of the world has got you down and you wanna end your life, bills to pay. Dead-end job and problems with the wife But don't throw in the towel Cause there's a place right down the block Where you can drink your misery away Treating you, Mr. Gumble. Uh. <laughs> and that is the uh, the scene. <laughs> so I forgot that the bar flies are in a bar fight in this. <laughs> yeah, it's it's showing pictures, and it's done in like a a, a very Cheers style, like that uh, that like kind of old timey art style that Cheers would use. And so yeah, it's it's like them in a bar fight. It shows Krabappel like hooking up with like these two dudes. It's yeah, it's ridiculous. She is thirsty. She is. So I uh, the I uh, uh, the guy from Tipsy Mix uh, Staggers is back, and he wants to buy the drink for a million dollars. And everyone's like freaking out and stuff. And Mo's like, "Nope, no deal." And he threatens Mo, and he's like, listen, he's like, we've got every ingredient figured out except for one, and essentially his researchers are working on it. And it cuts to Professor Frank, as well as all those researchers I've mentioned in previous episodes that helped build the car, they were the nuclear uh, uh, you know, safety inspectors, it's just like the same character 
thrown around into different roles. And so this time they're researchers for Tipsy McStaggers, and Frink uses the gas chromatograph to find out the secret ingredient is love. Who's been screwing with this thing? And uh, while he's talking with this guy from, you know, Tipsy uh, McStaggers, the, uh, oh, what was his name? He was the vice president, uh, Harv Bannister. I. Uh, he uh, uh, has a shipment for like like a bunch of cases of uh, uh, cough syrup, and Mo uses the excuse that he got hooked on the on cough syrup in the service. Was Mo ever really in the service, or is that a big lie? <coughs> what do you think? I could see Mo in the service. Really? Yeah. I mean, I could see it. Like, it's not that I can't imagine it. It's just, you know, he he he's a big lying scumbag in this episode. Yeah. Well, he's kind of a shitty scumbag <laughs> I mean, yeah pretty much okay 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 simpsons question because i'm not remembering uh, yeah in um rage and abe did mo have an ancestor in world war ii he did not okay moses uh moses like did not have an ancestor the only uh, characters that did were wiggum uh gumble and skinner and then of course simpson and you know it was you mean Tanzarian? Shut up. <laughs> we don't use that name in this house. Fan fiction. Bleh. Bleh, bleh, bleh. And I reiterate. Bleh. But anyway, so I uh, Homer goes looking for his own bar and he runs into this guy who like pulls out a sawed off shotgun on him. <laughs> this guy's got an eye patch on. And uh, Homer wants a clean glass, and the guy's not having it, and uh, it does not go well for Homer. And so he he's back at home, miserable on the couch, uh, watching a special where Mo is like, yeah, my ancestors were bartenders to the czar. And, uh, yeah, he's just not feeling it. Uh, he goes to Lionel Hutz. We once again have uh, uh, our buddy... Uh, uh, Phil Hartman doing uh, another great, uh, another voice of Phil uh, of Lionel Hutz, or reprising his role as Lionel Hutz. And this is a great Lionel Hutz line, by the way. <laughs> he says he's like, you can't copyright a drink. He references a Frank Wallbringer case of '78, which uh, I I brought up some paperwork on on that subject, and the document that this government or this not government site, but this like law website brought up was 370 pages long and i thought no nah 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 i i love doing research don't get me wrong but i am not looking up law cases from 1978 and i love that uh lionel hutz though says he's like wow i found it out in one of these books he's like you know he's like he's just so excited that these books are worthwhile <laughs> these books aren't just for show <laughs> <laughs> they're filled with useful information love it and so i you know I, I the the scene transitions and Homer's at home with Marge and they're in the bedroom getting ready for bed, and Homer just drops tons of sarcasm all over Marge. But I love the mirror in this scene where it shows Homer from behind. Yeah, while he's giving his like sarcastic, yeah, he, he, his like sarcastic rant because you know Marge is like, well, maybe you you know should appreciate that people are uh, so happy with something that you created, and Homer just is like, yeah, that'd be great. I'm the magic man <laughs> and he, yeah freaks out on her that he's the you know, of course has to reiterate that he's being sarcastic so uh 
it cuts to Mo in bed with the waitress. Yeah, he's now sleeping with her. And, you know, she's like, she's like, Morris, I was thinking about Homer Simpson. And he's like, that's okay. I was thinking about Sybil Danning, which is another very sitcom-y line. But uh, Sybil Danning was apparently in a bunch of B-movies in the 70s and 80s. She looked fairly attractive. Yeah, well, that's who Mo thinks about when he's banging. It's good to know, I guess. And she convinces Mo to take the million dollars and split it with Homer, which... I have a huge problem with this scene. The fact that it should be 100% Homer because he came up with the drink? Nope. Oh, really? What's that? She's so nice to Mo. She's like, split the money with Homer. Go off. Do this. Uh-huh. And she leaves in the end of this episode. And she really had no investment in the first place, so why did she care? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It bugs me. Well, I mean, she might have just really thought that it was the right thing to do. Maybe well, she- fuck her. They just literally <laughs> gave this as an excuse to write her out. I mean, pretty much. You're not wrong about that. She's there to be most conscious, and that's it. She is a prop. She is not a character. She is a prop in Mo's story. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you're not wrong. I, I'd like to to at least point out that maybe she was just like a, a, a good person, but you're, yeah, she was basically just a prop. So Homer is having a bit of a breakdown as he talks to, you know, his family, and they're like, I need Mo money. I need to mow the lawn. Momo, 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 Mo, Momo, Mo, Mo. So Homer in his bathrobe just like walks out of the house and nobody goes, hey, Homer, how about you come back here because you're just uttering the word Mo over and over again and you're going insane. Do you think he was going to kill Mo or he was going to kill himself? I mean, Homer's left the house in the middle of the night for weird shit. Well, this isn't even the middle of the night. This is just like morning. He just waltzes out of the house. Mo. 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 And so, you know, he he goes across town and he sees everybody as Mo. He sees flowers as Mo. And he freaks the hell out. Mo. Mo. That evening. Mo. Stop it. <laughs> that, that evening, uh, while Krabappel is trying to seduce Joey Kramer from Aerosmith, uh, Mo is very close to being rich. Mrs. Krabappel, I need my drumsticks <laughs> back. Come and get them. So, I, I kind of love that scene. I don't know why. <laughs> I love Krabappel in this episode. I mean, Krabappel's a great character anyway. I. Uh, and I mean, you know, we, we made a lot of jokes about her being thirsty and stuff. But go but what, get it, girl. Go. Yeah, exactly. Go get yourself some. Why not? Especially, like, somebody from Aerosmith? Hell yeah. Why not? She's going after sailors. Aerosmith, the, the, the kid's dad is a little weird, but... Well, a little weird only because she should know that he is married, and she's trying to get him to cheat. Like, that's a bit much, but, you know, all in all. But go for it, girl. Yeah, exactly. You go for it. And so... Uh, you know, Mo's about to be really rich, and all he needs to do is sign this contract, and he lets himself get distracted. As Homer is the Phantom of the Opera, is that yeah. the reference? Yeah, he does a good Phantom here. And so he, a part of his bathrobe is like over half his face, and he comes out and he's super melodramatic, and he's like, he's like, you people are just like quaffing down your beverages, and he's like going crazy. And he's like, you'll never guess what that one little ingredient is. Cough syrup. Plain, everyday, ordinary, over-the-counter cough syrup. Thank you, Mr. Nutjob. (laughs) And the guy rips up the contract, runs off, 
and everything is ruined. Also, Homer falls on Aerosmith. But not all of Aerosmith. Well, Joey's busy. Yeah. He's getting busy. <laughs> busy. <laughs> so, within about one week of the, uh, the you know, I think it says it's a week later. Yeah, right? it's a week later. And the market is flooded. We see all these restaurants that have flaming mows of their own. And so, you know, mows back to being slow. The waitress, who had been unnamed, left to pursue a movie career, which, you know, Mo thinks that she'd have been better off there. Fucking prop. <laughs> and so, you know, Homer apologizes. He says he's sorry, which Homer doesn't really have to apologize here. But in this, for the sake of the friendship, he apologizes. And Mo says, ah, maybe some things are too good to be kept a secret. And Mo serves up a flaming Homer and when Homer's like, do you think Aerosmith will be in? I doubt it. And the episode ends with uh, Homer and Mo being friends again. And it ends with Aerosmith playing over the credits? Yeah. So uh, for lasting impact in this, I uh, I specifically mention uh, that it is a Mo episode. But this is also sort of the first episode where... We're kind of hyping up the celebrity. You know, it's Aerosmith being Aerosmith. Yeah. You know, and I mean, we've had that before. You know, Dean Martin in season one was just Dean Martin. Uh, Dean Martin, right? No, you're thinking of Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett. Sorry, both crooners. Both great. We've gotten Tony Bennett wrong numerous times because we're (laughs) terrible people. (laughs) Yes, we are. And so uh, as far as that goes, you know, you have like Tony Bennett being Tony Bennett. We'll have Tom Jones being Tom Jones later on. <laughs> yeah, you know, so it happens. But in this episode, it's definitely hammed up a bit. You know, you see, like, Steven Tyler at the Love Machine, uh, and he's getting, like, the highest rating. They're really, really, you know, hyping up the Aerosmith. Though I will say, having Homer fall on Aerosmith is a little lot, like, kind of a, not a jab at them by any means, but it's kind of, like, not taking them as seriously. And yeah. having one of their members getting seduced by the teacher of the Simpsons is another one that's kind of like, all right, well, that's not exactly them being totally hyped up. Yeah, but you know what other episode did that? What's that? Brush with Greatness had Ringo Starr. As Ringo Starr. As Ringo Starr. And he was a big central part of the plot. He's the reason Marge got her, like, focus back. So I'm going to lean more towards the lasting impact being about Mo. I guess that's true. the first time Mo really gets character. Because Mo's just kind of the bartender. And he kind of, we learn he's kind of a scumbag in this episode. And he starts (sighs) to lead him down a criminal path. Yeah. I mean, you know, like... We've known that Mo is a little bit of a scumbag, but like we definitely see throughout the rest of uh, the the Simpsons that he has a lot of you know uh, uh, kind of you know criminal dealings and stuff. You know he's he's not exactly on the up and up per se. Mo, 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 Mo. Jinx, Craig, Craig, Craig. Ha! Got it in this episode. Son of a bitch! <laughs> God damn it! Fuck. I knew I'd get it. I knew I'd get it at some point in this episode. I'm so glad. Hate you. Hate you tons. <laughs> I tried baiting you earlier and it worked. Hate you. Hate you tons. I. But I. So yeah, the, the lasting impact, yeah, is the fact that Mo Sislak gets character development and he doesn't really ever get much development after this, does he? 
not in real episodes. No, fan fiction, they, they make him into like a weird, awkward, but like well-meaning family friend. Who's still suicidal and... Yeah. Bo has his annual suicide attempt on Christmas. Yeah. That's just bad writing. That's making light of something that probably shouldn't be made light of. <laughs> you mean like in Homer's Odyssey in season one? Like at least in Homer's Odyssey, it's not really a joke. Yeah, that was more plot convenience than a joke. Yeah. Although it did, I mean, although the jokes were a little bit more well-written than just like a yearly suicide attempt. Uh, you know, it was like the like the finding the boulder at the the, the live and uh, learn, live and learn, and the uh, uh, dumb things I got to do today, where he writes a suicide note on it. So you know, I you know it's done you know, quite a bit better there at least. But uh, yeah, as far as that goes, man, uh, the all in all, yeah, it seems like this is more of a uh, like just a mo episode, and we don't get mo of those. No, we don't get Mo of those. Mo, we don't. Uh, but, Sean, I tell you what, what is uh, your quote of the episode? So, this shouldn't be my quote of the episode because it's not. I, the I feel best like you quote. say that almost every time we record. I, I pick weird, dumb quotes because <laughs> yeah, I do. love weird, dumb quotes. But I use this one all the time. Uh-huh. And because I use it all the time, it has to be. Yeah. Can I have a clean glass? Here you go, your majesty. I'm cocky and say that to people all the time. <laughs> so my favorite quote is is probably a little predictable. I uh, so my favorite quote is the conversation that uh, Homer and Marge have together. Homer, maybe you can take some consolation in the fact that something you created is making so many people happy. Oh, look at me! I'm making people happy. I'm the magical man from Happy Land in a gumdrop house on Lollipop Lane. Oh, by the way, I was being sarcastic. Well, duh.